Christ alone is just an amazing thought. I hope and trust that you're not adding anything to Christ, that your salvation is Christ alone through faith alone. That is such an amazing truth and so freeing that I don't have to perform, that I don't have to. There's nothing that I have to do except believe on him whom God has sent. That's it. That's the work that God has called me to. So let's pray and uh, let's just jump into it today. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have, God, to, uh, Lord, to open your word, to look at, God, you in a different way. And I pray, God, that today would be a very helpful uh, service, God. I pray that it would help people draw close to you. And, Lord, God, thank you for just the privilege we have today to, um, to Lord, just to worship you and to, to be with you today. And I, I pray that you'll be pleasing in your, in your eyes. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name. Amen. So I'm a little grumpy today because I have to work this afternoon, you know, during this important game. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm not really that grumpy. <coughs> Several of you have kind of, you know, worn your jerseys today and kind of tried to torment me. I, I, mean, I just want you to know that I forgive you. The Bible says to love your enemies, and so I, I do that. I'm working on that kind of thing. So uh, today we're going to continue in our series Reset. And I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today because I believe that for many of you, it can be a life-changing type approach to walking with God. So what is the, I want to start with this question. What is the foundation of the Christian life? What is the foundation of everything that we believe? And the answer is the Christian life is built on the foundation of faith. That's, that's how we're made right with God. That's how we walk with God. And so this is such an important thing. And so the Bible says, for by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a famous passage that Paul wrote out of the, of the book of Ephesians. And uh, so it's an amazing truth. It is, it is what we built our faith around and our life around. So the question then is, what is faith? That's what I want to look at for just a minute today. And then we're going to talk about what are, what are synonyms synonyms in the Bible for faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, we discover what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've never seen Jesus. I've never had a physical encounter with Jesus, and yet I know, I know without any doubt that he, that he existed, that he does exist, that his word is true, that his resurrection is true, and so it is, faith is living with this idea that I, I'm, I'm not going to handle or feel or touch, but I, I know it's a reality. So how then do I grow in faith? I'm supposed to be growing in faith, and the more faith that I have, uh, the stronger I become. So how do I grow in faith? So here is my premise. I believe having faith in God and walking with God are almost synonymous in Scripture. So the question then is, let me say that one more time, and then I'm going to ask a couple questions. Having faith in God and walking with God are almost synonymous in Scripture. So if that is true, if my premise is right, so you all heard the phrase, well, he walks with God, right? You've heard that phrase before? Or she walks with God. What in the world does that mean, you walk with God? So you're called to walk with God. What, would, what, would that, what does that look like in your life? And... Uh, so Mal, uh, Micah 6.8 says, He has made it clear to you, mortal man, what is good and what, is, what the Lord requires from you to act justly, to treasure the Lord's gracious love. And then Micah says, to walk humbly in the company of your God. So your call 
is to have a walk with God. So walking with God is a major theme in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. And the first place that we see it is in a character by the name of Enoch. So let me show you him for just a minute. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 23 to 24, this is what the Bible says. Listen to these words. Enoch walked with God 300 years. That's in those days they lived way too old and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And, and this is Enoch's testimony. And Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. One day Enoch was walking with God and he, went, he goes out for this walk and he never comes back. God just took him into his glory. That, by the way, is a, is a type in the Bible of what is called the rapture of the church, the rapture of the believer, and that is, that is an event that we're looking forward to and as believers. So the question then is, what are we resetting today? The series title is, what we're looking at is reset, and uh, what we're resetting today is we're going to reevaluate our walk with God and maybe do some reset there. Is that fair? Because I think probably most of us have a lot to learn about what it means to walk with God. Would you agree with that? Do you have a perfect walk with God? I doubt it. I don't either. I don't have a perfect walk with God. So I want to grow in my understanding of what it means to walk with God and how I then apply that to my life. So Henry Ford said this. I love what he says. He says, those who walk with God always reach their destination. Isn't that good? That's just, that's so good. So how then can I learn to walk, how then can I learn to walk with God? I think there are three things that I need to learn to, to do is if I'm going to learn to walk with God. First, I have to come into agreement with God. If I'm going to walk with God, I have to come into agreement with God. The, prom, the prophet Amos says this. He says, two people cannot walk together unless they are agreed. You have to come into agreement with God. So when you take a walk with someone, when you, out, when you go for a, let's say you're taking a hike, uh, you're taking a walk, what are some of the, the things that you have to do? First of all, if you're taking someone with you, your steps have to move at a similar s- pace. I mean, you're not walking with somebody if you're not walking together with them. You have to come to an agreement what your destination is. There are so many things that you have to come to agreement on. In short, there is an overall sense of harmony, unity, community, All those are things that you would say when you're walking with somebody, when you're taking a walk with somebody, all those things have to be true. So what then do I need to agree with God about? How do I come into harmony with God? The first thing that I have to do if I'm going to walk with God is that I have to come into agreement about my sin. That's the first step along the way. I cannot sugarcoat it. I cannot lie to God about it. I cannot try to hide my sin. I have to come into agreement with God. And that is such a a, a powerful thing when you begin to realize it. And this is God's promise to me as I come into agreement with him. It says, if we confess, that word confess literally means to come into agreement, by the way. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the goal of my life is to get more real and more real and more real every day about the level of my brokenness with God, and I have to stop trying to hide it from God and hiding it from other people around me. We're amazing hiders, right? And so I have to learn, if I'm going to walk with God, I have to learn to come into agreement with God about my behavior, about my ideas, about my mind, about my, about my soul, all those things. 
And so I just think that you and I are great at excusing our behavior and, and, and allowing a, a level of behavior in our life that probably shouldn't be there. Agreed? That was kind of a weak agreement there. We, can't, we cannot walk together here unless you're going to agree with me. I'm just, that's not just kidding. I love this story about an office supervisor had, had to have a word with his new employee who had never arrived on work on time. He had explained that, you know, the supervisor explained to this guy that tardiness is not acceptable and that other employees had noticed that he was walking in late every day. And after listening to the complaints, uh, he agreed, the, 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 the workman agreed that he was, uh, this was a problem, and he even offered a solution. He says, is there another door that I could use? <laughs> I, I, that kind of captures what we, where we are, right? We're always looking for a, a way to find a way to hold on to what brings us security, and oftentimes what brings us a sense of security is, the, is sin itself. Believe it or not, even though it's, you know, we look at it from, the, from God's perspective, he, real, he knows it's ruining, ruining our lives, but oftentimes we hold on to patterns in our life because they are, we think somehow they're helping us when in reality they're destroying us. So sin will always do this. This is what I've discovered about sin in my own life. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. So just think about that. Just think about that. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. When, you're, when you want to stop walking with your sin, oftentimes it doesn't, want to walk, it doesn't want to stop walking with you. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you're willing to pay. That's the nature of what sin is. And by the way, sin is the idea of just missing the mark with God of just being off-bubble with God. Because we underestimate the effects and power of sin, uh, it has devastating effects. It's kind of like this. For years, I used to carry a, a small knife in my key ring. And uh, I used it to cut boxes and stuff like that. And, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I had to surrender it Probably five or six times I go to the airport, I forget that it's on my ring, and that now I have a choice of either checking my luggage, you know, or giving the, you know, my little knife to the security. Apparently, they think it's a bigger deal than me, right? So they, they take, you know, I've lost five or six knives that way, and, and uh, I just forget it's on there. It's, you know, I'm just thinking it's no big deal, uh, but apparently it's bigger than I think. But uh, my guess is that's exactly how you and I approach sin sometimes. It becomes so attached and becomes so familiar to us that we don't even realize that it's on our lives. And we get accustomed to carrying it, and we underestimate its potential to destroy our lives and the lives of others. And so if I'm going to walk with God, the first thing that I have to do is I have to come to an agreement with all of my sin, with all of it, not just some of it, not just the parts that I want to let go of. So just take a moment right now and uh, ask the Lord, just ask the Lord, is there some part of my life that I'm holding on to that's sinful in your sight? Is there a part of my life? And I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's what you're watching with your eyes. Maybe it's what you're listening to. Maybe it's something you're practicing. May, I don't know what it is, but is there something in your life that God just wants you to deal with? Because it, what's at stake here is your walk with God. Your the love of God is never a question. God will always love you no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going to do. But the truth is, is your walk with God is at stake. If I'm going to walk with God, I have to come into agreement 
with my sin. I have to, with God about my sin. I have to come to an agreement with God about my sin. The second thing I have to come into agreement with God about is about his faithfulness. My sin, his faithfulness. Those are two, those are two uh, things that I must come into agreement with. There's, a, there's an old famous preacher. His name is Harry Ironside. And uh, he was the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago. And Moody Church, is a, even today, is a famous historical church in Chicago. And uh, he was one of these, uh, these guys that was the pastor of that church, author, amazing man of God. Let me tell you a little bit about his story. When he was two years old, his mom was widowed. And so she had all these kids. He was the youngest of the family. And uh, he, he recalls a story in his life where his mom got them together and, uh, you know, as a widow, she had very little food. She was, she was left, you know, kind of penniless. And she, you know, she would just take in odd jobs to try to feed the family. And uh, she was a seamstress. So one day they had no food in the cupboard. And so they gathered around the table. And they said, and they said, the mom said, let's pray and thank the Lord for about what we're going to partake of. So all they saw on the table was, you know, some water. That's all they had. So the mom bowed her head and said, Lord, today I thank you that you promised that you're going to provide not only our water but our food. And as she ends that conversation, she has no food on the table, had none in the cupboard, nothing to eat. There was a knock on the door. And there was a guy that said, hey, uh, I owe you a little bit of money, but I don't have any money. Uh, all I have is potatoes so that could you, would you accept potatoes as a partial down payment for what I owe you? That's the faithfulness of God. I mean, that's the kind of, when you walk with God, you can expect God to be faithful to you. I mean, he, he does it all the time. Oftentimes, God shows up in ways where we, where we don't even recognize his faithfulness. This past week, I drive, a, I drive a Tundra. Some of you know that I drive a Tundra, a Toyota Tundra. And Toyotas are known for their lack of mechanical problems, right? I mean, that's what, you know, you normally can put a couple hundred thousand miles in a Tundra and not put much money into it. That's why I drive one because I, don't, I hate paying the mechanic. I mean, if you're a mechanic, I love you, but I just hate paying you. <laughs> so this week I go out as Monday morning. I think it was Monday morning. I go out and, and I try to start my truck and I turn the truck over and it won't start. And I can't get it to start, so, so I, am, I have to admit this, I'm just getting a little frustrated. You know, there's nothing in my mind worse than somebody blocking my goals. My truck is now blocking my goals, and so I'm, my frustration level is going up and up. And uh, so, long story short, I had, I had to, uh, to have it towed down to Toyota, and, and uh, they had it for about three days and fixed it, got it back. And, uh, and you know, my frustration level was, was rising, and, and just this morning my wife was reminding me, you know, as wives do, just reminding me how faithful God was that my truck broke down right in front of my house. Okay, it was an inconvenience for me, right? But the truth is, I could have been on the side of the road. I could have been anywhere. I could have, you know, I could have been out in the hills. I could have been anywhere. You know, I could, uh, anywhere. And the truth is, is that God chose to have this problem happen right in the front of my house. And I, you know, I have AAA. So while I'm in my house, warming myself, you know, by the heater, I'm, you know, the tow truck comes, picked, you know, gives me a ride down there with them, you know, and then gives me a ride back to my house. And I'm thinking, you know, I miss that. And my wife had to remind me of how 
faithful God is in the process. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, come on now. God is more faithful than you probably give him credit to. So I've got to come into agreement. If I'm going to walk with God, I've got to come into agreement with him that he is absolutely faithful. He'll do everything that he has said that he will do. The second thing that I need to do, not only do I need to come into agreement with God over my sin and his faithfulness, the second thing that I need to do is that I need to, to make a choice in my life, a daily choice, to walk in the light. If I'm going to walk with God, he's in the light, so I have to make a choice to walk in the light. First John 1 John 1.7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, that is partnership, with one another, and the blood of, his, of, of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we walk in the light, listen to me, we walk in the light by following his principles, living in his power, and growing in his grace. How do I walk in the light? That's it. I walk in the light by following the principles that God has laid out in his word. I walk in the light by living in his power, by depending upon his power. I walk in the light by growing in his grace every day. So if I'm going to have an intimate and deep walk with God, I got to grow in those three areas of my life, in his principles, in his power, and his grace. In the Yangtze River, there's a Yangtze, in China, there's this river called the Yangtze River, and it is a huge river, and there's a bridge that spans it. And it was built, I believe, in 1968. And since 1968, there have been an, over 1,000 people that have used it as a means of suicide. That they, They've jumped off this bridge, got to a place of despair. Since 1968, this has been a, a common experience. And so there is this Christian guy that decided that he was going to make a difference. And so he started walking the bridge every evening. And so he started walking, did it seven days a week, walked the bridge every evening, and he just he looked for people that he felt like might be in despair. And uh, he has saved, to his count, he has saved about 42 people from jumping off of the bridge. And that might be, that might, may just be a, you know, just a drop in the bucket, but the truth is, it's still 42 people. One person would be enough, right? One person would be enough. And so he was asked one day, how do you know when someone is a jumper? How do you know when someone is about ready to jump off of a bridge? And uh, he said something that is pretty amazing. He said, it's very easy to recognize a person who walks without spirit. See it in their eyes. You can see it in their face. You can see it in their countenance. When someone loses countenance, they start walking, listen to me carefully, they start walking in darkness. And the ultimate darkness is despair. And so God has a remedy for that. And so for you and I, you and I have to learn the discipline of walking in the light. Walking in the light means walking in his principles, walking in his power, and walking in his grace. Every, th every day, I need to live my life that way. The third thing that I need to practice if I'm going to walk with God is that I need to practice his presence every day. Practice his presence every day. That is so powerful. In 1 John 5, 11, it says, and this is what God has testified, <clears throat> he has given us eternal life. Amen to that? And his life is in his son. Eternal life is in a person. I am in Christ. 
So I'm in the presence of God whether I recognize it or not. That's, it, that's what's called eternal life. I'm walking in the presence of Jesus. So my goal, my goal as a believer is now to, to identify the presence of God, to look for the presence of God, to practice the presence of God every day. So the question then is, how do you do that? There are a few things worse in a relationship than to be with someone who is not present, right? Ladies? When your husband is watching that football game or that sporting event and uh, you have been talking to him about five minutes and he's just said yes three or four times and he has no idea what he's saying yes to, it's kind of frustrating when he's not present with you, right? Or vice versa, by the way. I don't want to be, I don't want to be seen as you know, picking on any particular gender here today. But the truth is, is it is frustrating, isn't it? When you're trying to speak with somebody, it is very frustrating when you think, when you see the look in their face that they're a million miles away that you are not the priority of their conversation. They're not actively listening to you. That's a very frustrating thing. It's kind of like when I look out here at Grace Church. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding for most of you. <laughs> So how then, how then do I learn to walk in the presence of God? How do I learn to practice his presence? I think there are four tips that I want to give you today. We're going to end with these four tips that I think that if you were to practice every day that your walk with God would change. So here's, here's what I would suggest to you. First of all, I believe you begin your day with intentionality. You begin your day as, as, as opposed to being a victim. You get up on Monday morning and, and instead of saying, oh my gosh, it's Monday and you know, what do I, I don't, I'm dreading to go to work. Why don't you start your day with intentionality with God? God, today you're going to be with me all the, steps of my, all the steps of my day. Every meeting you're going to be with me in. Everything that I have to do. Everything that, everything that I have to, uh, every word that I have to say, you're going to be there. If you start your day with intentionality, I believe you have a better shot at finishing your day well. So I think step number one is starting with intentionality. Start your day with speaking to God, with practicing His presence, with acknowledging His presence, with inviting his presence into your life every, every hour of the day. Start there. Second step, and that doesn't mean you're going to have success at it. Second step is turn your complaints into praise. Turn your complaints into praise. You know, as my truck is broken down, the first thing that I should have done, the first thing that I should have done is thank God that it was broken down in front of my house, but the, that wasn't the first thing that I did. That wasn't my first response. And so I'm telling you, I'm just telling you from personal experience, this is easier said than done. But if you and I can learn how to turn our complaints into praise and acknowledge God's work in our life and his plan, that even though I can't see it, he's working something uh, out that's greater than me, then I believe that I have, a, I have the capability then of, of learning how to practice the presence of God. I think the third thing is uh, turn suffering into surrender. Suffering is a normal part of life, and oftentimes God has a suffering for us that uh, he's intending upon our life, and you and I are resisting it. You and I resist suffering, right? Come on. You know, we get a little cold 
and you know what we you know we run to the doctor we get all the we pull out our all this stuff from our medicine cabinets and and uh, so it could be and the, and let's be honest the reason we do that is because we don't like suffering of any kind right and I'm not suggesting you shouldn't go to the doctor. God, you know, yes, go to the doctor. I, I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that the point is that you and I resist suffering. And in our suffering, and there's a lot of different kinds of suffering. There's emotional suffering and there's relational suffering and there's physical suffering. So why don't you turn your suffering into surrender? God, you have, you have something you're doing, somebody that needs to be touched. And just surrender your life when you're in the midst of your, of your suffering. Turn your suffering into this surrender to God. And I believe, again, that will help you walk with God by practicing his presence. And then the last thing, the last tip that I'd give you is I believe that you should lead yourself in worship. You should lead yourself in worship. You should be a leader in your own life. Don't wait for somebody else to lead you. You should be the best leader that you, you possibly could imagine. And the first person that you have to lead, you know, I'm a leader here at Grace Church, and the first person that I have to lead is myself. I've got to lead myself. So in practicing the presence of God, I believe what would be extremely helpful is to lead myself in worship, to actively participate every day. How, however you do it, I, I believe that you should lead yourself in the sense of worship, that every single day, that you should be the one who leads that. And I'm guessing, look me in the eyes here, I'm guessing that you probably approach worship from a passive perspective. It's my guess. Is that you probably approach it from a passive perspective instead of an aggressive perspective, instead of a leadership perspective. Be a leader. Lead yourself. Now, I believe that if you take those four things and you start practicing those things, then you'll practice the presence of God in your life. And I believe that practicing the presence of God in your life, that your walk with God can't help but improve. Now, let's just remind ourselves here something. Having faith and walking with God are oftentimes used synonymously in Scripture. To walk with God, I have to come into agreement with Him. I have to agree with God about my sin and his faithfulness. If I'm going to walk with God, I have to be intentional with my suffering. I have to be intentional with my, with my, my day. I have to be intentional with my worship. I have, to, I, have to, I have to every day get up and I have to lead myself. So my take is simply this, is that I believe that if you were to take a tenth of what I just said here today, that your walk with God would change. That's my, that's my conviction. And I hope you do. I hope, you, I hope that you'll just not walk out of here today and you'll go, okay, nice. I, I checked going to church off the box. That you'll say, oh God, oh God, help me have a walk with you. And my prayer for you is that someday somebody will use your name in a public conversation and say, Bill, Sue, whatever your name is, they walk with God. That's the greatest compliment anyone could ever pay you is to say you walk with God. Do you agree with that? So let it be true in our lives.